0: Visit com. that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and don't go gently, y'all.
1: Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever and with fishing booker you can experience it too no matter where you are discover your next adventure on fishing booker
0: from the nation's capital this is the fly fishing consultant podcast with your host rob snowett
2: This is episode 198 of the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. However, this episode's not about fly fishing. This is another travel episode with regards to food. I'm continuing my spring campaign for Project Healing Waters. So if you could please donate to Project Healing Waters Two-Fly Tournament, you can Google Project Healing Waters Two-Fly Tournament. There'll be a little yellow rectangle in the bottom corner of the website. Please view that. And if you did not watch 60 Minutes, On April 1st, please look up that episode featuring Brian Mancini, who was involved with Project Healing Waters. It's an episode all about PTSD and traumatic brain injuries. So for our spring break in 2018, we decided to go to Philadelphia. We like doing these little short trips to small towns. I guess you can call it a small town with the Pixie to show her... Some cool sights, some history, and we also have it a little more grown-up oriented because we like to go eat. So we left here on Monday morning, the last week of March, and we drove to Philly. I drove to Philly. It was an easy drive. There was not much traffic. I decided I want to play CDs in the car because the wife does not want to hear the music on my phone. She certainly does not want to hear any podcasts that I listen to. The CDs I brought was a little bit of a mixed bag from Nickel Creek, Frou Fru. I also brought some Pearl Jam, some, I don't even remember at this point. Now, I forgot about having CDs in the car. you got to shuffle them, put them back in their jewel case. The teeth inside the jewel case break. The CDs flop around. And if you put the CDs bottom up on a seat where the sun reflects, it's going to blind you in your eyes. That may be the first time we'd ever listened to CDs in our car. We left DC around 9 30, got up there around noon, I'd say, and we went straight to Reading Terminal. The terminal was very crowded. We managed to find parking right across the street in the garage. There were a lot of very tall young ladies walking around. And I'm about 5'11, 6 feet with boots. And I don't normally feel short. However, inside the terminal, I felt very short. And after about 20 minutes, I had to ask one of these ladies, what is the deal going on? And she was about six foot two. She had a college sweatshirt. She said there was a tournament, a collegiate tournament of girls volleyball going on at the convention center. And I asked her how many teams could be playing at once. And she said they could have 30 games going at once. So if there's 30 games and 30 teams, there's a lot of... Tall people that need to go eat. So the Reading Terminal was full of collegiate volleyball players as well as people going out to lunch. And I'm a little overwhelmed when I walk in. We have to do a walk through it first to find what's available. The place is full of the aromas of pastries and cured meats and baked goods and things cooking on Skittles and walks and grill tops and the brininess of oysters being popped open. The wife knew she wanted a grilled cheese. The kid wanted a corn dog, and I was up in the air. So we did a nice walkthrough. We went up and down pretty much every aisle until we found the corn dog joint. So my daughter got herself a freshly dipped corn dog with ketchup instead of mustard. She ate about three quarters of it. I'm quickly learning that children are like snakeheads. They really don't like to eat a whole lot of the things I present to them. And I know a lot of kids eat chicken nuggets a lot. So maybe I got to start throwing chicken nuggets at snakeheads. Just a shower thought. So while she's eating the corn dog, the wife goes over to this cheese sandwich place. And she gets herself a grilled cheese, which had, it was the Melter Skelter. Had raclette, pickled green tomatoes, jalapenos barbecue chips and watercress. And it was pretty darn good. So now I've had a nibble of a corn dog. I've had a little bit of grilled cheese sandwich. I'm trying to figure out what I want to eat. And I'm walking around and there's freshly carved turkeys. There's freshly carved turkey sandwiches or full Thanksgiving meals with sides. There are oyster po'boys, which look tempting. There's a sit-down diner. There's barbecue. There's Indian place with the most amazing looking samosas. And I'm walking around and I just can't decide. And the wife says you got to go to Danix and get the meatball sandwich. And that's the place that's famous for the roast pork that's dipped in some kind of liquid. But I think Broccoli Rob, you see it in all the travel shows. They go there. Adam Richman goes there. Andrew Zimmern goes there. So I get in line. I get myself a meatball sandwich and it was how should I say Decent. It wasn't that flavorful. The bread was pretty good. And I paid an extra dollar for a Sharp Provolone, which was only at the bottom. And maybe one out of ten bites actually got me provolone. And I was told not to eat the whole sandwich because we were going out to dinner in a couple of hours. So I ate half of it. It was it was okay. It filled me up. It was warm. Not one of the best sandwiches I've ever had. If you're going to denix I would skip it. Don't bother getting a meatball sub from there. I've had better meatball subs. At home, we continued walking around and I got a close up look at a lot of the chocolates. There was a place with chocolate noses, chocolate lungs, chocolate ears. There was a famous cannoli place across from that, but I didn't want to ruin my appetite for dinner after having just eaten a pretty big sub. We finally went over to the donut place in the corner. I forget what it's called. And I asked the young lady there how many donuts they're making that day. And she said it was pretty small. She said they only did 5,000 that day. So we stood in line and we got the apple pie filled one. And my goodness, you know, there's Dunkin' Donuts. People swear by Shoppers Food Warehouse colossal donuts down here. To me, those are absolutely disgusting. This was pillowy and light and it had a fluffy texture to it that was dense, but not heavy. And this cinnamon, maybe nutmeg, apple pie sweetness in the middle. It was, it was amazing. And the kid did not want to eat any of it. And while we're eating that, I'm looking at all the different types of salads at this little Amish stand. They had Lancaster potato salad, coleslaw, Philly potato salad, Lancaster macaroni salad. They had They had every kind of banana pudding, strawberry rhubarb pudding with vanilla wafers that you could ever want. And it was, I I just wish we had something like that closer to our house. I would go there to shop daily. If we needed a chicken to roast, I would go there for that. If we needed vegetables, and I did go to the vegetable stand, I ended up buying white hominy grits. Because I can't find white grits. It's odd I had to go north to find white grits. I get yellow grits down here. But I couldn't get white grits at our store. So I found them up there. I would shop there daily for the food that we were going to eat. And have everything nice and fresh. You can get any part of a chicken or turkey prepared. They had all sorts of beef parts. Cow parts. Which is redundant. Pork parts. A little bit of everything. And from there we went to the Airbnb. Which was in Rittenhouse Square. So we pulled up and parked. And while we unloaded. The wife went and dropped the car off right around the corner. We took all the gear up. The Airbnb was listed as having four flights of stairs. Now, there's one flight of stairs to a landing, which had a ficus tree, and then five steps up to the first floor. And then there were 10 steps up to a landing, and there was a life-sized stuffed Dobby the House Elf with sunglasses and a jacket. Five flights up. And then you had the second floor. Sorry, five steps up. And then you had 10 steps to the third landing, which had a giant blue glass turtle. Then f- the landing with five steps to the fourth floor. So this is more like six flights of stairs. And I don't do inclines. I don't like hiking to find fish. I don't do stairs. One reason we moved to this house is there's five steps up, five steps down. Our old house has 16 steps to get to the bedroom. So I'm, I'm over steps. So I got up there. I was exhausted. We get inside, and the place is bizarre. The Pixie's bedroom, we didn't tell. her was really just a glorified closet. It had a small bed, a junky-looking drawer, a lamp, and a Harry Potter Quidditch mobile. There were two bedrooms, so we each got one. I wanted to be able to stretch out and snore without getting kicked. The bed itself did not have a frame around it. So I was able to stretch out and hang my feet off the end, which I can't do here at home. The TV didn't even work. There was one desk and a chair in each bedroom, but no sofas or lounge chair anywhere to sit down. My bedroom had the leg lamp from Christmas story in it. The wife had one of those salt crystal lamps. Neither of those worked. My bedroom had a piece of what looked to be a white faux rug, faux fur rug drilled into the ceiling, and I don't know why. The place had no thermostat. It was all done by radiators, and we couldn't figure out how to adjust those. The bathroom was okay. I forgot that showering with the shower curtain when there's hot water, it sucks the shower curtain in. You keep having to beat it off you. The kitchen was decorated like a frat house where the top of the counters were all beer and liquor bottles that had been consumed by the tenants that had stayed there and left them up there. So I put a beer can up there with a the TPFR sticker to represent. There wasn't really any silverware. There weren't any cups or plates. It was a pretty dodgy place. But the price was like 60, 50 to 60 bucks a night. So we're not complaining. And the neighbor upstairs was from Colorado. So we hung out for a little bit and talked in the stairwell. He had an extra, very narrow flight of stairs. I don't know how anyone got furniture up there. So we parked. We hung out for a little bit. Quickly realized that there really is no parking. So we had to worry about where we're going to be the next day. The wife parked in a parking garage, which overnight cost almost the same amount as the Airbnb. We walked to a playground, which is on the excuse my pronunciation, the Schuylkill River. I don't know. The wife and I bickered about how you pronounce that river's name. Jason said it was the Schuylkill. I don't know. I gave up. So we hung out at the playground until the sun set behind the trees and it got cold. So we decided we're going to walk to Goldie, which is one of Michael Solomonov's restaurants. You may remember we ate at his hummus restaurant in chelsea market a couple years before it's the most amazing hummus and fresh pita i've ever had and we have the zahav cookbook and my wife makes recipes from that all the time so we walked through the city to Rittenhouse square and up this these narrow little streets because the city's pretty old we got to goldie and it was closed for a reception they were having some sort of spring party for employees so we were a little upset We went back down to some other restaurant that had like a bread shop and cheese shop and meat shop, like a quick takeout place, and all the food there looked like it was prepared in the morning. So I was like, I'm not eating a 10-hour-old sandwich or whatever else they have prepared for takeout. So I was a little upset. The wife finds this vegetarian place. I didn't realize it was all vegetarian. I was about ready to order the buffalo chicken sandwich and it's spelled chicken c-h-i-k apostrophe n my wife says you know that's satay or seitan or tofu or whatever it's like man i'm just not in the mood for a vegetarian knockoff meat sandwich tonight so the wife gets some kind of big salad and we walk back to the airbnb and i stop off at the chinese thai takeout and i decide to order some takeout while they go upstairs i get curried beef with rice And it was a big portion, thinly sliced beef, a nice kind of syrupy sauce. Expect what you get at a takeout. Walk upstairs and we eat around the communal table and have that. And because there's no TV or anything else to do, everyone sort of goes to bed, retires to their rooms. I try reading, but there's a very dodgy overhead light. So that didn't work out. I started reading up on my Steelhead book that I've been reading and I was finishing a book about extinct mega fauna in North America. Went to bed fairly early. The wife's window was against the road. Mine was against an alley. So she didn't sleep all night because of the street noise. Now, I also had wanted to go to this Belgian place that had Pliny the Elder on tap. But at that point, walking to the vegetarian restaurant, the wife didn't want to sit down meal. I was all ready to have chicken fingers and f- pub fries and a Pliny the Elder. When else can you find Pliny the Elder on tap? So that was our Monday. The food scene on Monday for me was meh. That meatball sandwich and just Chinese takeout. The last time I had Chinese takeout was when Jason, Rebecca, and I left early from the Salmon River during the onset of Hurricane Sandy. And I got Chinese takeout when our power went out from the takeout place up the street from us in annandale so tuesday morning we wake up the wife goes and gets the pixie and herself some montreal style bagels i eat the leftover of that meatball sandwich and it was just cold and dense and kind of the same as it was the day before except the temperature was uh, cold we get in the car And we drive to the Ben Franklin Museum and we're trying to find parking and the roads over there are pretty crazy. There's two sets of roads down that main strip leading to the Rocky stairs and we couldn't figure out how to make a left to get to the museum. We finally got to the museum and got two-hour parking. I went to that museum with a buddy of mine from camp named Josh Small back in maybe 1988. It's been a long time since I went there. If you hunt enough, you learn the truth. What you seek speaks a language and knows it well. That's why every Primo's call for everything you hunt is made the right way. We sweat every detail so you get more out of every hunt. And nothing leaves our hand until we know it'll work in yours. Because we don't just make the world's best calls, we speak the language. Primo's. We pay the entrance fee and we go in and we start looking around. There's a lot of things cool for a kid to do. We go and see the giant heart exhibit, which I went through when I was a kid. It was more difficult to walk through a three-story heart at my size and height now than it was when I was 10 or 11 years old. And we got to see how much blood's in a human body. We got to see the size hearts from crows to sheep and goats to cows and ostriches then we went into an exhibit about electricity because it's Ben Franklin museum and you got to shock yourself and play with all sorts of static electricity things. That was pretty cool. We went upstairs to the sports zone, which was full of crazy boys. I've got a six year old girl. So I'm used to little girls hanging out and playing with dolls and shopkins and play-doh. I'm not used to crazy little boys smashing and crashing and breaking things and being extremely hyper. So we try to do some of the sports things. There was one thing where you can squeeze and determine which hand is stronger. And I wanted to see, all right, let's see about fly fishing. They always say reel with your right in salt water because your right hand's stronger. And I squeezed and I squeeze the two things and the right one came out to 65 and the left hand came out to 20 something right hand, definitely stronger, but I prefer to fight a big fish with my stronger arm and reel with my left. If that makes sense. I have mentioned that before in podcasts. So then we go from the crazy sports thing where you could practice surfing and shooting hoops and jumping to see your vertical reach and play with fake hockey stuff and skis. We went over to the Isaac Newton room where those boys were even crazier because you could swing ropes and smash bowling balls together. The young lady was mostly interested in a pendulum with sand because my kid likes sand and I do not. And she even said, before Dada gets here, he's not going to like this because it's full of sand. They had cool optical illusion stuff and a bunch of zany, funky stuff you could play with. You could lift bowling balls on ropes and drop them. And those boys were just giving me a headache. I wanted to shoot them all with tranquilizers. From there, we watched a kid go across the atrium on a sky bike. And we saw a couple more exhibits. We saw pretty much everything we wanted to see in that museum in a little over an hour. So we got back to our free parking spot and moved on to the next location. The weather again was kind of kind of chilly. We drove, I want to say, to South Philly to El Compadre. You're going to want to write this down. L-E-L Compadre. C-O-M-P-A-D-R-E. And you know that my thing is fishing. The wife's thing is food she can find the best restaurants anywhere she's going and know what day to go there and what to order. And we pull into this little Italy neighborhood, which was all Latino. The sidewalks were covered by this really cool old awning. So you could walk back and forth, especially on a day like this, where it's kind of cold and drizzly and not get wet. We parked the car again down here, as opposed to Rittenhouse Square, there's a little bit more parking. We walk in, and it is packed. There are four tables and then one long table against the wall, sort of like a lunch counter. The place is about the size of the bedrooms in the Airbnb. Oh, yeah. I'm going through my pictures. We also bought some cranberry honey at the market, and the wife got some awesome local coffee, too. She has been brewing that, in the house smells awesome every morning. Whatever. It's a rice, some kind of beverage. So she ordered... That I ordered the chorizo and potato torta and the pixie got herself quesadillas with pinto beans and guacamole and they had fresh homemade hot sauce. The wife ordered prawn tacos. These prawns were probably 10 inches long with antenna that were 12 inches long and they were plated. Absolutely stunning. They were cooked with some kind of onions. They were topped with guacamole and micro beet greens on homemade corn tortillas, the one was making behind us, on handmade clay plates with a wedge of lime. And they looked like, in a normal restaurant, it should have been a $25 entree. It was $10. My sandwich was this crusty outside, pillowy soft interior with potatoes and chorizo and a kind of tomato sauce. It was absolutely stunning, and it was, for me, $6.50. Now, the Pixie had her quesadilla, which she did not like the queso fresco inside, so she just ate the corn tortillas. I mopped up all of her guacamole and all of her pinto beans, which were just ridiculous, and we sat there, and the place emptied out, and we just had a nice, slow lunch, Everybody was going through piles of napkins because those prawns were extremely messy. I pounded about two pints of ice water, and then we decided to bundle up and just walk around that little neighborhood, and we found Gino's and Pat's, those famous cheesesteak places which I wasn't going to visit. I heard them talking to people. It was just a bit obnoxious. They got to know exactly how to order, and they get mad at you for being an out-of-town or going out of your way to eat there. I guess that's part of the shtick of the place, but not my thing. So we took some pictures. We walked around. We walked by a store. I kept thinking one of these little tiendas was playing a goose call or something. turns out there was a store. There was no signs. It was just an open door with a concrete floor and cages of ducks, chickens, guinea fowl, pigeons. I'm not talking about... Morning doves. I'm talking about street pigeons that, you know, you you flick your popcorn out in the park. And they had quails and pheasants, and all these birds were just squawking and making a ruckus. And they would just pee and poop and it would go down the floor into a drain. I wanted to go in and get pictures. The wife thought I was gonna get bird flu if I went in there, so we skipped that. And we wanted to go to a grocery store because the wife likes the club sodas and I like a nice cold Coke. So after walking around a bit, we could not find a single grocery store, but we found a park, the Chew Park. And all the last two days, my daughter had been finding pennies on the ground. And it's always been my philosophy to pick up a penny and keep it. And the reason goes back to a NPR article in 2002. And it was an interview with the daughter of the artist that created the artwork for the penny. She said she would never be able to walk by or she never does walk by a penny on the ground and leave it there because that is her father's artwork. And it's disrespectful for her to see her father's artwork on the ground. And if you want to make a six-year-old excited, you find pennies. And then we found some quarters in the park and she was more ecstatic. The park was cold. There were some kids playing. There was a soccer ball that was destroyed by dogs that had holes in it. So we kicked that around and then some kids showed up on mini motorcycles which was pretty cool. These things were the size of smaller than my daughter's tricycle. It must have been gas powered. They were going all over the park. And we decided that we were going to leave there because it was too cold. We're going to go to this cocktail store. I had Googled, yeah, you know, bucket list things to do in Philadelphia. And this place came up. We like to entertain. We've got a cool cocktail lounge in our house, we've got some cool cocktail tools and accoutrements we decided we'd go over there so we drive across town still didn't find a grocery store and we parked near the woman that made the american flag i want to say susan b anthony but that's not her she's the lady on the coin anyway so we park we pay four bucks to park and we actually found a spot parking sucks there and it was extremely busy because there was spring break and there were a lot of school groups around. A lot of kids in matching sweatshirts. Those are the kids that were all crazy in the Franklin museum. We walk up to the store and online, it says it's open on Google. It says it's open. Even the door says it's open Monday to Friday from nine to seven, but it's locked. And then the woman comes up to the door and says, we're closed today. Can't you read? And I looked at the sign and said, yes, I can. It's Tuesday. At about one in the afternoon, and it says you're open. She said, no, we're closed. Can't you read? And my wife said, F that, we're leaving. And we had promised to get a sweet treat for the kid. We finally found a little ice cream parlor that was called Fezziwig's, and they had an incredibly dense minty mint chocolate chip ice cream. Now, the women in my life, I disagree with this. They're cake cone people. I'm a sugar cone guy. I also like a waffle cone. I will take a cup of ice cream over a cake cone. And we sat there and hung out in this cool little lunch counter, old-fashioned restaurant, ice cream parlor. And the kid actually ate an entire ice cream cone down to the cone. So when she ate all the ice cream, I ended up eating the cone so we didn't waste the food. And I was like, eh, that cone is up there with my meatball sub from the day before. So far, the best thing I'd eaten was that torta. We walked around a little bit. It starts raining. So we decide we are going to go park the car and walk around Rittenhouse Square and try again at the falafel joint. And this is when we had to explain to our daughter about homeless people with mental Disabilities. There was a woman, we think, about four and a half feet tall, with about three teeth, kind of heavy in several layers of very dirty clothing. And she's on the street corner and she's screaming and crying that she'd only gotten two pennies all day. And this woman was making quite a scene. And our daughter, she's still very innocent. She's a very sweet little girl and she hasn't really seen too much of anything like that. And she's still asking about it to this day. And my wife was giving her a piggyback ride. So she was eye level with this woman and it kind of terrified her. It's not something she's used to seeing. She'd seen homeless people in DC. She saw homeless people in Philly and other towns we visited, but not somebody making a commotion like that. And we finally walk up that really cool narrow street again, and we get to Goldie and they are open. And I'm expecting falafel. I always say I need more falafel in my life. We walk in, and there's a couple of people eating, and this place smells amazing. I order a falafel, and I ask them to do iceberg lettuce instead of cabbage. I get the spicy tahina sauce inside and a side of za'atar fries. The wife orders a falafel, za'atar fries, and a mint tahina shake. The Pixie orders herself just a side of five falafel balls in a bag. I look around, they've got a bunch of ingredients for sale. Food comes up, and I'm staring at it like I've never seen falafel in my life. It was gorgeous and it smells so good. And I sit down and I take a bite and it's the salady, thinly sliced, fluffy iceberg and perfectly crispy outside, golden brown falafel with this green grainy inside. And I'm not talking to anybody. I'm not looking at anybody. My focus is eating the sandwich and we now have a new top 10 sandwich on the list of the best sandwiches I've ever eaten. This may have been the best sandwich I've eaten since Nashville last year with the brisket pimento cheese and poached egg on top. This sandwich was. Amazing. If you are passing through Philly, don't get a cheesesteak. Go to Goldie and get a falafel. Oh, my gosh. And luckily, the pixie didn't like hers, so I got to eat a whole side of just plain falafel dipped in just tahina sauce. And the za'atar fries were crispy, salty, and perfectly Middle Eastern seasoned, and I ignored my family while I ate. And across the street was two other restaurants— by uh, Michael Solomonov. One was Abe something. And the other one was the homeless place we ate at in New York. And I just had this permagrin on my face all evening because that was just amazing. You'd think something just as simple as fried chickpea balls in pita with sauce. But the guy is a master at making pita bread. This is like no other pita bread you've ever had. The flaffle is like no other flaffle you've had, and the sauces and spices were a 10 out of 10. We do a quick walk back because it's cold. We give the kid a shower. She gets into bed. We read some books. She plays with her Shopkins and LOL Surprise dolls, and I bought her an LOL Surprise Series 3 confetti ball before we left, and I put it in her luggage, and she Didn't know where it came from. And I told her it wasn't me and it wasn't her mom. And I said, maybe it was a spirit of Ben Franklin. Put it in there for you being a good girl. So she would bring these little things with us to all the restaurants. There'll be pictures on the blog of me trying to eat one of the LOL surprises. If you don't know what an LOL surprise is and you don't have a little girl, don't worry about it. If your kid's like three or four, you're going to find out about them. I stayed up and I watched probably just the news and went to bed early. Woke up on Wednesday morning and the wife went out to get bagels and she came back in a very bad mood. I said, how can you be in a bad mood going to get bagels? She says, somebody took a huge dump in the vestibule overnight in the lobby of our building. A vestibule is you walk in the door and there's a three to four foot, area before a locked door to get into the building and there was this weird old package slot inside that doors you could open the door and i try to put the kids through it to put a package it's not big enough for a person to crawl through but you can slide packages in so overnight somebody had taken a massive bowel movement and urinated all over the place and apparently the wife doesn't like when i use the term bowel movement she says it's too clinical And while they were eating the bagel or trying to eat it after being so nauseous, my wife called the Airbnb owner and said that needs to get cleaned up stat. And by the time we packed up and went outside to go to the Mütter Museum, we found that the poop had been cleaned up. So luckily, I didn't get to see it, but I got to smell it. And my goodness, that person's got a broken diet. (laughs) Yeah, so we walk a couple blocks, we find the car. So the deal is you got to move your car every two hours, except after, I think, six. So throughout the day, we'd be moving the car strategically close to the Airbnb so we would know when we were going to the next place, we could hop out and get it. So we hop out, walk three blocks, get the car, drive to the Mütter Museum. You've seen this place on a ton of travel shows. I've been wanting to go there for a long time. It is a history, it is a... The Mütter Museum is a museum of medical oddities. Just Google it because I can't show you pictures. The inside of it contains donated organs and humans and body parts from people whose families are still alive. And it's considered disrespectful to take pictures of some of these things. We pay our entrance fee and we go in and they've got a giant seven-foot skeleton in the lobby. Just absolutely huge. You go into the exhibit and the first thing you see are... Einstein's brain slices on slides and there's the whole history of how that happened. Then you've got just glass and wood display cases. My problem was the glass was very old and warped and technically glass is a liquid. It's not a solid. It's just moving too slow for your eyes to see. It was very difficult to read this small typewriter print, d- descriptions on all these skulls and people died from all sorts of abnormalities throughout their lives. And you can see the difference in the skulls based on where people were from and all the apophyses and just holes and bumps and everything on them, the different types of dental care they had. It was amazing. They had a gangrenous hand. They had a collection of things that people have swallowed from jacks and marbles to safety pins and buttons, um, keys. They had uh, different types of fetuses and jars. They had a mermaid baby, conjoined twins, all sorts of things with, you know, scarcely labeled. A lot of them didn't really say where they came from. They had different types of skeletons. I finally got to see the eight foot long colon that weighed like 70 pounds in a photo of the guy who was alive at the time. And it just looked like a horrendous life for that man. And surprisingly, a six-year-old was not disturbed or freaked out by some of the things she saw in there. The Civil War exhibit was very cool. You can see bones that had bullets in them and amputations and all sorts of stories about the hospitals during the Civil War that were in Philadelphia for the Union. And the gift room or store had some of the funniest stuffed animals I'd ever seen. They had everything from Lyme disease and typhoid stuffed animals to dengue, herpes, gonorrhea stuffed animals, sperms, livers, kidney stuffed animals. They had uh, herpes. It was just funny what they had. I was expecting them to have a giant gummy colon. so I would have bought that as a gift for somebody. They didn't. The next exhibit we saw was really gross. It was families collected hair that was braided and wound into floral art. So they'd have people that were brunettes and blondes and gray hair. The different colors were kind of like an old fly line, like braided together into ropes and then twisted into flowers. And it was just disgusting. I didn't know that hair art was a thing. I don't know how one gets into hair art, but these things had... Family members from 200 years, like a family tree of hair. It was nasty. And people were staring at him. I saw two or three and I was good. Finally found... Fishing like a
1: local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
2: A place where I could get some cold bottles of Coke on the way out. And then we went to John's Roast Pork for Cheesesteak. So we drove to a really sketchy side of town. There was a lot of garbage in the streets and the, the trees without branches. This was more industrial, a lot of train tracks. And this is where all the grocery stores, Home Depot's, and Lowe's and stuff were. We got inside. Mind you, it's 50 degrees and raining and overcast and windy. Everyone's huddled inside, and I let the wife do the ordering. She gets us, because we got a big dinner. We're going to split a cheesesteak with onions, and we get a hot dog for the kid. And we go through the line. I go out into the outdoor seating area. I wanted to eat in the car because I had already bought a six pack of bottled Coke. I didn't want to spend three bucks or whatever on a the Pepsi there. A Coke guy, not a Pepsi guy, anyway. So I'm waiting outside. It's got plastic sheeting for the windows and kind of like a refrigerator room at industrial warehouse doors, like big plastic sheets hanging down. And it was probably 55 degrees in there. Everyone's eating. There's a ketchup, mustard, and Texas peat pump. And the food's taking a while. The wife finally brings out the sandwich after about five to six minutes. I start eating mine because I'm cold. I put pickles on it, a little bit of ketchup, and it's good. The bread is crunchy and chewy and dense. It's not like that garbage people eat at Subway. This was real bread, and I'm not a fan of sesame seeds. There are toasted sesame seeds on top. The beef was awesome. They left out the onions. The cheese was just melty and gooey and hot with provolone. The pickles brought out some saltiness and crunchiness, gave a little bit more texture, and the ketchup just kind of filled in the extra spots. And then the wife came out with onion rings and the hot dog for the kid. Of course, she put ketchup on the dog. And then the wife came out and started eating her sandwich full of banana peppers, and she got Philadelphia longhots on hers. I never heard of longhots before. It's just a long hot pepper that's cooked whole, and you put them on a sandwich. We're going to be making those this summer at our house. We finish up our sandwiches. At least I'm done first. And they call my wife's name again. Now, she needs to start using Snow White or a made-up name because nobody can get her first name right. Somehow, they made us two sandwiches. And I said, we didn't order two sandwiches unless that's the one with onions. Because our first one didn't have onions. I said, I'm more than welcome to eat that thing. And they're like, no, no, someone else will eat it. I was like, damn, I thought I was going to get another sandwich on the house. Because they messed up my order. So we ate there, got in the car, turned up the heat. And went back to our Airbnb for a siesta. Because we had to rest up and digest in order to go to dinner. So while we're sitting there, we're like, you know, we got three or four hours to chill here. Why don't we go get a pint of beer somewhere? And I found out that Yard's Brewing wasn't too far as the crow flies. It's about a 20-minute drive with traffic. So we drive over to Yard's. And I've been a fan of their beer. Kind of not been drinking it that much in recent years i'm going to start drinking it again soon absolutely beautiful brew pub state-of-the-art big dining hall inside with beer garden tables i order a nitrogen esb i'm starting to get more into beer with nitrogen than carbon dioxide because it doesn't fill you up the pixie got herself a freshly made root beer and you could taste the herbs and stuff in it and that was better than my beer i could have sat there and drank Those all afternoon, the wife got a flight of beers and I wanted to order the bar menu snacks. They had, uh, it was a Reuben, not like a Reuben slider, but like Reuben, Reuben balls. And if your name's Reuben, sorry, but they had Reuben balls and it was basically a Reuben wrapped up and deep fried with Thousand Island dressing. Sounds awesome to me. And if the beer and root beer is that good, the food must be awesome too. They didn't have any beers for sale there to bring home that we couldn't get here in Virginia, but they probably had 20 beers on tap. And I wanted to stay longer, but time was pressing. So we left there and went back, parked the car, and took an Uber after maybe a glass of wine to Zahav. Our driver was from. Trinidad and Tobago, and we talked all sorts of cool island life stuff and how long he'd been there and his whole story about being an immigrant. And then we started talking food, and he and my wife were talking about some pastries that she knew about from down there. And then we get to Zahav. Now, Zahav is the cookbook my wife most frequently cooks from. This is her destination restaurant. She actually wanted to go there by herself, so we didn't interfere with her eating we got there, and it was hopping. It was a crazy busy restaurant. We happened to just get reservations that afternoon. We were going to go at 4 o'clock and stand in line. When that extra time not having to stand in line is when we went to the brewery. The first thing they do is they put down some pickled veg. It was pickled cauliflower, I think, pickled carrots, maybe pickled something else. I couldn't tell because of the yellow turmeric in it. It was awesome. Pickled carrots are fantastic. While the wife is ordering, and I wish I'd taken a picture of the menu. You're just going to have to hear my descriptions. I walked around and looked at the bookcase. And they had um, our friend Bart Seaver's book, American Seafood. So if you're a seafood eater, go check that out. I'm not, so we don't have the book here. Maybe we'll get it in the future for the wife. And she starts ordering. The first thing we get is the homemade pita. Covered in spices. Oh my goodness. Like I said, their pita is criminally good. And the owner is the guy that makes it every day. With that came their tahina hummus. The hummus you buy at the grocery store is crap. That stuff is all chickpeas and no tahina. When we make this at home, it's 90% tahina to 10% chickpea. It's creamier. It's smoothier. It's more flavorful. And that came with... Italian parsley, olive oil, and grilled spring onions. It, I could have just eaten that all night, but oh no, there's more. From that, I ordered myself a little cocktail. It was uh, Jim Beam, mint, lemon, and something else. Ooh, it was good. And then the daughter started uh, dipping her LOL surprise dolls in her ice water because they changed color in water, not restaurant behavior I approve of. All right. The first menu item we got was fried halloumi with dates, dill, and mint, and paper-thin radish with, I think it was a pomegranate sauce. Actually, you know what? I can tell you what it is right here. I do have the recipe. All right. The hummus served with lafta sorry, laffa baked in our own wood-burning oven. Choose one. Tahina sesame garlic lemon olive oil cumin green tahina let's see the halloumi date walnut preserved orange from there we ordered and the halloumi is just awesome just thickly dense crispy on the outside sweet bitter radishes a little bit of fresh dill to offset the pungency we got fried cauliflower with labneh garlic mint and aleppo That was the kid's favorite. That cauliflower, I didn't grow up eating cauliflower. I didn't have cauliflower until I was 25, so I'm still learning about it. Fried cauliflower, Israeli style. And Zahav is an Israeli restaurant. It means, I believe, gold in Israeli or Hebrew. That fried cauliflower was absolutely amazing. It was tender on the inside, crispy on the outside, and we absolutely inhaled it. Next up was Bulgarian feta with grilled ramps and a red sauce of pomegranate reduction and if you don't know that bulgaria has the best feta in the world it does and this was the size of a slice of white bread and we destroyed every piece of it we would have eaten the plates there if they were edible next up was pickled spicy fennel bulbs which were fantastic And then my favorite thing the entire night, I don't like beets married to a Russian woman. There's always beets. These beets are coated in salt oven, roasted, then peeled, shredded and grated mixed with herbs, spices, and the tahina and the tahina overcompensates for the earthy pungency of the beets. I can't tell you how amazing that is. And the wife made it when we got back and it is absolutely ridiculous. If you don't like eat beets, you're going to like it and the brilliant red of it. We got a small piece of challah bread filled with sable fish and some mixed vegetables and dill, which I didn't eat. Um, I didn't want to eat any of it because it was kind of stinky like fish. However, the next dish to come out, believe it or not, was bronzino. Now, bronzino, if you've read the book by Paul Greenberg is like the worst fish to aquaculture. It's Just horrible to grow and to feed. But you know what? After a pint of beer, a sip of wine, and this cocktail, I dove in. It was pretty damn good. The wife couldn't believe I was eating it. And it was over this creamy yogurt sauce with cucumbers. I had one nibble, and that was enough for me. I might be eating some salmon in the future if you listen to one of the upcoming podcasts. The next came out was the most fluffy basmati rice I've ever eaten It's going to have to change how I make my Basmati. I got my recipe from a Pakistani grocer up the street, and it did not come out ever as fluffy as this. Then the lamb margays, which was basically a lamb kebab that was grilled over that open fire, and it was crusty and smoky on the outside, and it had cannellini beans and a leek goulash with it. And I wanted to keep ordering more food. The wife was hesitant. She said she was getting too full. And that was pretty much it for the entrees. The dessert, I can't even explain. It was this custard made with a floral something with cookies and dates and pomegranate seeds. It was as white as plain yogurt. And kind of the texture of uh, creamy marshmallow custard and it just had this aroma and it was amazing. The other dessert you would never believe was roasted squash, which had this stringy cake-like texture to it. And then that had some ice cream on top and I think it was a uh, coffee ice cream and some kind of toasted squash seeds. And all together, it was an absolutely criminal meal. And the wife has been raving about this all night to the waiter. And I explained how we drove up from Virginia. And we were such huge fans of the restaurant in New York and the flawful the night before. And right as we're getting ready to leave, the owner, Michael Solomonov, comes out to meet my wife. And she was over the moon. She was talking questions with recipes she had for him and how much she loved his food and his cookbooks. And that was the highlight of her trip right there was getting to meet him and he i don't know how often he gets to meet customers that are that enthusiastic about his cooking but hopefully that made his night from there we went home and basically just digested hung out pounded some ice water after such a long day of walking around and eating such rich food we got up early Thursday morning and the plan was to pack, get everything loaded up in the car. So the wife had to go get the car. I took most of the stuff down all those flights of stairs, hung out a little bit with Dobby. And then we decided to go get provisions and sandwiches at the PS Ravioli store. Now, if you look it up, there's more than one PS Ravioli store. This is the one that has the sandwiches. So we drove down there and I was told that you would see people parking on the medians of the street. And sure enough, there were people parked on the street medians down there. We went in and the place was tiny. It was, it was like a little corridor. It was full of meats and cheeses and frozen foods. And it was about nine 30 in the morning and we didn't go out to breakfast. So we ordered sandwiches to eat there. And then on the road, I got a spicy hoagie it was the spicy godfather, hot, dry capicola, sharp provolone, hot seta and then some kind of hot salami with the olive oil and that crusty bread and the toasted sesame seeds and some sliced onions and very thinly sliced tomatoes and very thinly sliced onions. And it was good. It was so, it was so damn good. You have no idea. You can't get a sandwich like that where I live. You can't get bread like that where we live. Mm, I'm almost drooling just thinking about it. The pixie got a chicken parm sandwich and she ate the whole thing and then a bag of chips. I couldn't believe it. That kid never eats that much. The wife got, I don't know what she got. It was broccoli, Rob, roasted peppers, maybe a chicken parm, cutlet on there on the same bread. Now, the day before, the sesame seeds weren't toasted as they were here. So they actually had a a nice flavor. It was an actual compliment to the sandwich. And I washed that down in the car with a Coke. And then I had a food baby for three days when we got home. I ate that rest of the sandwich when we got home. And it was an awesome journey. I think our next trip is going to be up to Cape Cod. So stay tuned for that. We're going to have some more fly fishing related podcasts coming up in the future. So the best places we ate in Philadelphia were, in order, Goldie for falafel, maybe not in order, El Capadre, Zahav, the ravioli store. Some final thoughts on Philadelphia. There are lots of dogs, a lot of funny dogs, a lot of very friendly dogs, a lot of dog poo bags along the streets. There were piles of poo bags along the streets. It was gross. There were a lot of joggers. You had to be careful walking with a little kid in the streets because there's joggers just darting in and out of everybody. There's a lot of meter maids. The parking sucks, and there's enough people going around to make sure that you're parking legally. If you're out of work in Philadelphia, become a meter maid. There were no blondes. Maybe saw three blonde people the entire time we were there. I was thinking about that, and a couple hours later, the wife said, you know what? There are no blonde people here. And I agreed with her. Uh, The streets were very narrow. I don't know if these were some of the original streets. You could definitely tell some of the old architecture in the very narrow streets that were wide enough for not even a car to go down. Those were closed off and for pedestrian. Most of the streets were fairly narrow. And if you were a biker in the bike lane, those people don't take crap if you are parked there. I saw one lady give a guy in a parked van an earful. There are very few chain stores around downtown Philadelphia and pretty much no grocery stores. We found a Trader Joe's right by the Mudder Museum. Window boxes were very cool. People took pride in their window boxes outside of their houses. Some of them were seasonal for Easter. Others were just completely decorated. I don't know where they get all the flowers and things for those. There's a lot of little hardware boutique stores on the corners. I'll have pictures of those on the blog. Historical signs for people's houses that had lived there. We passed where Billie Holiday lived. We mentioned all the pennies on the ground. Long hots on sandwiches. The wife thinks Philadelphia has the best selection of fast, casual restaurants of all the places we have visited. And the best meals we ate in no particular order. I'm going to have to say the donuts and the grilled cheese at the market. The falafel and fries. Let's see, what else? Zahav, if you're going to Philadelphia, please go to Zahav and get the cookbook if you're just curious. Trust me. The Italian sandwiches were an absolute home run. And I'm going to have to say El Compadre. May have been one of my favorite jams I've ever eaten at. I definitely want to go back to Yard's Brewing Company. And that sums up our trip. This is it for the non Fishing podcast. There's no fly shops in Philly, so I couldn't go visit one of those. Stay tuned for some cool interviews coming up, a little bit of shad talk. And please, if you haven't donated the Project Healing Waters 2 Fly tournament, please do so. We got our assignments today from Dave Foker. So I am absolutely looking forward to that weekend. I will also have some stories from that on the podcast. Thanks for listening.
0: Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com.
3: Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9:30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.